0: Hi, this is Jerry Tice from the Crest Creek Garden Club, Naperville, Illinois. I have read Attack of the Killer Asparagus, loved it, laughed at it, and presented it to my book club, and they also laughed and loved it. You're listening to WCGO Radio 1590 and 95.9 Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Nowak Show starts in 3, 2, 1.
1: The most common pirate verb is to be, as in the singular This grog be warm Or the plural These apples be rotten Note the sentence structure with the noun always before the adjective That there be a buxom wench Is wrong That there wench be buxom Is correct Here is an example of conjugating tenses The past I been plundering The present I be plundering and the future. I' gonna be plundering. The personal pronoun is either I or me as a possessive, as in me grog, me booty, and me timbers.
0: It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, Green Gardening and Environment Radio, flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877 711 5611.
1: Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climbs. and True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong goes on and safe sunshine will Good planets
0: are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams perfect air. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova.
2: Whoa, good planets are in the main
0: Arr. Arr.
3: We be broadcasting
4: Arr. Arr. And now your vowels here's how to pronounce your vowels a, a- e-, e, i, I- o-, o, u. u- Arr. Arr. That's not a vowel <laughs> And that's uh, oh, dear For those of you who don't know we are coming up on International Talk Like a Pirate Day, and uh, that, that's a—it's a thing, it's a real thing, and we celebrated on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki every year. So we had to make sure that we get now. Some of you will be hearing this after International Talk Like a Pirate Day. However, that does not mean that you cannot talk mm-hmm. like a pirate. Arr. Arr. And they can start planning for next year. That's true. But you plug that in. I didn't even get my computer turned on before we started this. Because <laughs> I was thinking about being a pirate. Arr. So it's really important to do that. It is, it is the 19th. I'm telling you, you could look it up. If you type into your search ed- engine, International Talk Like a Pirate Day, you will find a bunch of stuff. Uh, last mm-hmm. year, I think I played the... Uh, the pronunciation guide: A, E, I, O, U. Sometimes R.
3: Wait, this is this is a gardening and environment show, right? Yeah.
4: Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if you can't talk this like is a, a pirate, fun part of it, and and you could be out in your yard and you got your trowel in your hand, or or you're you're right now that, harvesting that tomatoes. Me, in me, me trowel in me hand. Me trowel in me hand. R. There be a me
3: trowel be in me hand.
4: Tomato. R. Andrew's
3: looking at us like, you people are crazy.
4: Me, cucumber. <laughs> no, nah, a- a- Andrew's, no, nah, he's not even, he's doing 50,000 things, our enge- Correct. engineer Andrew. He gets a ding. Thank you. He does. He does, because uh, he's uh, had a lot to deal with today already, and it's prob- probably only going to get worse. So I'm we're going to be really, really kind to him. Although I did want to play this. I wanted to tell you, Andrew, I found the archives. With all the stuff that we couldn't find last week. That's that, a good sign. When I yeah, it is. And I had to do a workaround and I found even Oh, I need I need it up. Thank you.
2: It's up now.
4: Prodcom? No, I don't think so. It is not. We have no prodcom. Now we had that issue before. And I, <laughs> see, just <laughs> when I think we've got it. Just when I think we've got it all sussed. Is this uh oh. And I know we had this issue before, and then there was a really quick fix to it, and I can't remember what it was.
1: We're out in 90 seconds, so I can, I'll look at it. 90 seconds. <laughs> All right. We got
4: quick, 70 uh, seconds. You're kidding me. I was like, so ready to just play uh, this and nothing's rod, coming on. come up. be having trouble. Arr, we be playing the machines here, and the machines be not working. We have uh, great stuff on the show today. Let me tell you, uh, we're still in that area of lawn care season mm-hmm. where you can put your lawn together and you can plant it and have it ready for the spring this is the time you want to do it so uh it, i want you to stand by for having amy cox who is a co-owner of pro time lawn seed based in portland oregon so they knew about cool season grasses. Mm-hmm. So anybody along the northern tier of the United States will want to, and even the middle, because I was looking at their map and the cool and the uh, not so cool, the, the middle. Yeah, the cool
3: season grasses. You've got grasses. cool season
4: grasses. you got the warm season grasses. Then you got the middle that you have to deal what with. What they call oh. the transition zone. Oh, so you printed that out. I printed it. Did you give me a copy? No. Why not I have a copy there? All right, we'll talk that, but when we start with the south side of Chicago, Lake Calumet, we'll be right back. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki.
3: Soil and plant health don't stop at harvest. Now is the critical time to set up for next season. And the products to use are from Tinyo Biologicals. Whether you're working 500 square feet in your backyard or a 1,000 acre farm, the soil needs are the same. Feed those plants with Spectrum and nutrient need to get your soil ready for spring. Go to blazing star.com. The soil can make compost from field debris, so use Biodigester as well. Tinyo products from Blazing Star. Go to blazing star.com.
2: Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus, but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite. Just float an organic mosquito dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. Don't worry, mosquito dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito Dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit SummitResponsibleSolutions.com.
3: Hey, this is Peggy. When I speak at local events, people often ask me, aren't you the Peggy in Natural Awakenings ads? And that makes me happy because it reminds me that Chicagoans want to lead healthier lives. And Natural Awakenings magazine helps them do just that. Natural Awakenings is the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. Each month, we bring you the latest information about health and wellness, complementary medicine, fitness and exercise, raising healthy kids, and even keeping your pets healthy. You'll find articles about healthy homes, too, including gardening, energy efficiency, and green living. And if you love good food, you'll always find tasty recipes and healthy cooking hints. Check out our monthly calendar. It's full of events to keep you connected. Natural Awakenings is available in more than 1,100 locations throughout the city, as well as suburban Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. And it's free. Or visit us at nashicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. it's weird. Hm.
4: Uh I had when we were in break I was playing the Allen and it was working and now it's not working. Oh dear. It's, it's I don't know what happened Andrew. Andrew came in, we fixed it, we said, let's make this happen. All right, let's move on. Let's just move on to the show here. because uh,
3: We want you to shift a little bit. There, there we go. Okay. Now we can uh, see Jerry. Going right. We've got Jerry Facebook.
4: Brown in the studio. No, not that Jerry Brown. No. He's our Jerry Brown here from uh, the south side of Chicago. And uh, he's a member of the Lake Calumet Vision Committee. Uh, Jerry, uh,
5: it's good to have you back in the studio. Great to be here. I always enjoy the drive up north on a sunday morning man it's like it's like it's the uh, way it's supposed to be when driving on the expressway uh oh you mean like when not completely packed with cars i mean zooming right through the jane Burnick, uh interchange man that's like something i've never done before uh, so. i know it anybody who
4: who who tries to drive in a major city uh during rush hour and then does it on an early sunday morning goes Oh wow! This is oh, yeah. I had no idea. But you know, you said something on the way up that was kind of interesting. Or uh-huh. outside when we were talking, you were talking about water, and yes. you got to understand in the Chicago area, and I think a lot of the Upper Midwest in the last few days, uh, there's been a lot of rain. A lot of rain, and yes. it's 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 almost harking back to the spring mm-hmm. where we had this incredibly rainy and cool uh, season, and you. Uh, we're saying you've never seen so much standing, standing water yeah. yeah
5: you know i've been driving in Chicago well over forty years and i've never seen so much standing water on our uh, you know on our streets and on our expressways as we do today. A lot of people try to tell me that it 's because of the sewage and and you know and uh, the way the uh, the the rainwater's supposed to drain off. No, it's not. This is the pavement. It's what they're doing with the asphalt. It's uh, not pitching the streets right. So uh, some of these contractors don't have a clue of what they're doing. If you watch some of the processes when they uh, rip the streets up and put them back down, it's like, wait a minute, these things are flat. How's the water supposed to drain off? You know.
4: Yeah. Well, and <laughs> and, and that's the problem. And we've talked about it on the show uh-huh. that uh, Chicago, and and I know there's other parts of the country like this too. It's not on a floodplain. Right. And yet, it's one of the most flooded cities yes, in the is. country. Yeah. and it's not just one neighborhood; it's all over the city. It's all over, all the, over city. the city. So, and we and I've had people who address that issue all the time, uh, who 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 work on it specifically. That's that's their mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've talked about. Uh, there's a, a group that I was just telling people about yesterday. Peggy and I were at. Um, uh, an event uh, put on by Faith in Place at the Field Museum okay. in Chicago. Uh, it was their Green Team meeting, and hundreds of people uh, came in just to talk about environmental issues. Okay. and And I got into a discussion with somebody about that environmental issue, mm-hmm. which is what are we doing with all the water, and why is it that in an area that's not in a floodplain, uh, we we get floods all the time? Now, part of it is climate change, yeah. and the copious Amount of rain that we've been getting, yeah. uh, but you know, you look at also places like Houston, mm-hmm. where they they have hurricanes. We don't have hur- hurricanes okay. that stall out in Lake Michigan. Okay, <laughs> no, not at all. But those people. <laughs> Down there in other places of the country are building homes on areas that have already been flooded, and they know, uh, and yet it goes the flood, the rainwater goes away. And what did they do? The The developers come out and they put more homes on there,
6: yeah, and bigger homes,
4: bigger, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing, and, and a couple of pools, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Like, can I cannot believe we, we still do the things that are that dumb, but. Yeah. That's not the issue today because no. the issue is Lake Calumet. Yes, uh, on the south side of Chicago. Uh, have we got uh, Tom Shepard on the phone and uh, Tom, are you there?
7: I'm here, Mike, thanks for having us on today.
4: Oh, it's a pleasure to have you guys back. Um, so I hardly know where to start here because uh, this is an issue. I I, I'll, I know where I'll start with something I, I put in my blog. And you can go to MikeNovak.net, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net. And, uh, by the way, Tom Shepard is also... Uh, I'm going to have you guys give uh, a little background on yourselves. here. In fact, let's do that. Before I start with my story, Jerry, tell me a little bit
5: about your engagement on the South Side and how you came to be part of this issue. Okay. Um, I'm uh, basically a concerned citizen. Uh, I don't hold any official positions within organiz- anymore within the organizations. I did... Uh, uh, found and head up the uh, South Area Civic League there for a while, but it's now defunct. Uh, but I've been real active in political and, and civic issues out on the South Side for over 40 years. Uh, I took an interest in uh, Chicago politics uh, because uh, once I started looking at it, I was introduced to it by, as, as a matter of fact, one of the members of the uh, Illinois Port Authority, one of the board members. And uh, when I started looking at things you know, for myself instead of accepting what I was being told, I saw that things just weren't right. Uh, So I got involved. I started learning more and more, and uh, you know, it eventually led me to meet a nice, super, very knowledgeable gentleman like Tom Shepard. And he told me what was going on, and I said, "Yeah, this is worth a fight." Uh, And that's uh, basically where we are. How I got involved with, yeah, that's. You know, I've been involved in a whole lot of other things, but uh, I want to kind of stay on point here. You know. All right,
4: and and now we go to Tom Shepard, and he and I have known each other for a long time. He's been on my show many times. Uh, I knew him first when he was with the Southeast. Environmental Task Force, but uh, you—you've been involved in a lot of groups, Tom. Tell me about uh, how uh, how things came together for you.
7: Sure, Mike. Thank you. Uh, Yes, you're right. I'm a board member with Southeast Environmental Task Force for many, many years, and one of our missions uh, with the task force is open space issues. Early on, we were part of uh, many groups who came together to study Lake Calumet and the local area out here. You know, we've got a lot of brownfields, a lot of wasteland, a lot of empty space, a lot of pristine uh, empty space, too. And uh, uh, we've developed recreational areas, uh, uh, bike paths, walking paths, uh, uh, open, open space for public enjoyment and uh, for nature. And uh, Lake Calumet is uh, right smack dab in the middle of everything out here. Uh, many people in other parts of the city of Chicago may not realize it, but we call it Chicago's Other Lake, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's the largest body, largest body of water within the city of Chicago. You know, we're not talking about Lake Michigan here, right, obviously. Right. And, and we have uh, also Chicago's Other River, the uh, Calumet River, out this way. Exactly. Too, so.
4: And and, it, 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 right, and it's... So, it, okay, go ahead. Sorry.
7: Yeah, I was just going to finish up by saying that that we've had a vast... Marshlands and wetlands out this way, and uh, the, you guys were talking previously about water issues uh, because of dev- development and whatnot. A lot of that was alleviated, and uh, so Lake Calumet and the wetlands that have been here once um, would uh, would have solved those uh, water issues. But we, you know, with so much development and so much asphalt covering uh, these marshes and, and whatnot, and a lot of dumps out here filled in uh, uh, these areas, vast areas of marshes and wetlands mm-hmm. uh, are part of the part of the cause of these uh, water issues and flooding issues that we mm-hmm.
4: have uh well yeah uh the south side southeast side of Chicago actually has been uh, the city's dumping ground for a hundred years basically mm-hmm. yes. this, this is how you this yep. is how you put it right this, this is what you're dealing with oh and yeah. by the way uh, uh, Tom you're also working with the uh, the village of Robbins now right
7: yes right uh, where they have where they have some uh, flooding issues as well. Of course, of course.
4: Uh, who doesn't have flooding issues around here? Um, and so, uh, and you're, from what I understand, director of environmental recycling. Is that correct?
7: Yes, we're right. We're a developing recycling program there. And just to finish up, if I may, Mike, you know, yeah. along the way, uh, we when we formed the Lake Calumet Vision Committee, and along the way, came to meet Jerry and a number of other community activists. Uh, uh, up to 40 different uh, community representatives who form the uh, community part of our Lake Calumet Vision Committee, and Jerry's among them, and and uh, we're grateful for guys like him that stepped up to the plate and are willing to take on the powers that be to uh, uh, try to do something at Lake Calumet where they have over 1,600 acres of open land, um, and, and we're just, we've had enough pollution, and now it's time to turn the corner on that and uh, develop something that would be nice out here and open for the community, for the community. that Absolutely. could really use it.
4: Absolutely. Uh, and that takes us back to the, what I was going to start with, which is, I want to say, 15 years ago, I was talking to uh, Suzanne Malik McKenna, who you folks know uh, at one point was commissioner of the Department of the, the the late great Depart- Chicago Department of the Environment, uh, and 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 a note to our new mayor, Lori Lightfoot. I haven't heard a word since you got in office about where whether the, the department. You you used it as a campaign promise. Yep. I I don't see the department. I don't. I didn't. I didn't hear on day one you saying and my new commissioner of the Department <laughs> of the Environment uh, is nothing. Whoever. Has not arrived right. yet. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm getting. Yeah, we're getting a lot of crickets chirping here. Yep. Uh, so uh, yep. uh, just, just saying. Just, just, just got to, got to get that out there. So uh, I was talking to Suzanne mechanic McKenna, McKenna back in the day, and I want to say like it was 15 years ago, and she said, "You, uh, you got to come down. We got great plans." for the Lake Calumet area. Was, this is going to be great. This is gonna, We're going to transform this area. Okay, that was 15 years ago. And then we move forward, and uh, Daly's no longer mayor, and now we have Rahm Emanuel. And, oh, guess what? Because uh, I know you were part of this, Tom. There's suddenly in 2014, there's a Millennium Reserve, and we're going to take all this area, and guess what? It's going to be great. We're going to fix it up, folks, and we think it's going to work. And uh, all we need is uh, the governor. We, in fact, we get the governor. We get, we get Rom, and we get uh, Quinn uh, in there. Governor Pat Quinn, uh, and we're going to make this happen. Guess what? There's an election. Yeah. Oh my goodness! <laughs> we no longer have a Democratic governor. We got a Republican one, and he says, "Nope, we don't really want to do anything at Lake Calumet." So now we got to wait four years. So here we are, 2019. Hey, guess what? We got a new mayor. We got a a, a new governor. New
3: governor
4: and. Great things are going to happen at Lake Calumet, except when you see the headlines in the papers, the great things might be a casino. Who knows? Yeah, And yeah. that doesn't sound like open areas to me. That sounds like a casino. That sounds like, uh, I don't know, a money trap, a money pit. I'm, I'm, I, I'll, I'll, I'll just lay it out. I'm not a fan <laughs> of casinos. Not a fan.
5: You know, I think there's some opposition from the uh, board of the Illinois Port Authority uh, to uh, development uh, uh, that would be beneficial to the community
4: before uh, okay that's uh, you you mentioned the port authority Mm -hmm. all right uh i don't think that folks understand let's understand let's figure out their
7: relationship who who are
4: they and what are they yeah so tom or or jerry tom you want to do this
7: i'll do that and then i'm going to pass it back to jerry because i i know that he's he's chomped at the bit to talk a little bit about the board because he knows them intimately and and uh how things developed and, and came to be because you laid out some good history there talking about Suzanne Malik McKenna. And when she was a commissioner of the Environment um, Committee, or uh, what, uh, what do they call it? The, the, Department, the uh,
4: Department of uh, the Environment. Uh,
7: had she been able to continue and under Mayor Daly, I really think that we would be, uh, at this point, we would be where we wanted to be with developing and, and uh, opening up Lake County uh, to the public. Uh, when Rahm Emanuel came in, and this is where Jerry will pick up on this story, and he disbanded the department and uh, uh, all the plans that Suzanne yeah. had put mm-hmm. in place and, and gathered up uh, groups like Southeast Environmental Task Force and the Calumet Ecological Park Association and on and on and on, and, and our partners downtown, Friends of the Parks, Alliance for the Great Lakes, Open Lands, et cetera, uh, Sierra Club, and others. Um, we we were on the road to really developing the southeast side into something that, that would have been fantastic, and cleaned up a, a big mess that we've had here. Unfortunately, when uh, Ron came in, he had other plans, and uh, uh, that just just put an end to what we wanted to see. And and also, you already talked about Governor Quinn. He was a good good friend of the environment, and and really had the same goals and, and mm-hmm. ideas in mind that we had out here, but. It, it didn't happen because he didn't get that next term. So, um, uh, yeah, that that's uh, basically it. But but to make uh, to help people to understand what the Port Authority is, Mike, and finish up on that. That the the property and the Port District properties are city and state owned. Uh, the Port District is its own uh, entity that uh, was formed by the legislatures of State Illinois and half the board appointees are, are appointed by the mayor of Chicago and half by the governor of the state of Illinois. And they uh, regulate the uh, shipping and port uh, uh, port uh, facilities out at Lake Michigan and at Lake Calumet, and they uh, administer over the 1,600 acres at Lake Calumet, of which uh, probably the majority of it is just, uh, just wasteland. And another big chunk is a very expensive golf course, and I'm sure we can get into that, too. Uh, because, uh, all
4: all, all, all Tom and I know is that we cannot afford I to play there.
5: Okay. And you were saying something
3: about <laughs> helicopters bringing yeah, golfers in. Yeah,
5: you know, right. Yes. Yeah, exactly, from downtown. Uh, you know, and, 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 yeah. and, and, and the thing about that, Tom, you know, it's, it's, it's really a shame. Uh, you mentioned the uh, port operations out there, which are mm-hmm. are producing absolutely no profit whatsoever. That entire port authority, the only profit that's being generated is by the gov- uh, the golf courses out there, with all those other operations. The they shipping they, and they up- do some rental or something. Yeah, they, but-
4: they, they have rental. Uh, however, uh, in some of the material that uh, that uh, we found on this, that I saw a budget of like. They bring in 4.8 and spend 4.1 or something mm-hmm. like that million, yeah. million dollars. Yeah. And I just want to make one thing clear. We're going to have okay. to break and then we'll come back. Okay. Uh, so as, as Tom pointed out that the, the port authority owns the land. Right. Um, but it's a joint venture between the state right. and the city with some of the board members appointed by the state and some appointed by the city. So you got to get those guys uh, working together and, But it seems like it's kind of a mysterious body. It really is. That, Yeah. We'll talk about that. I suspect there's not a lot of transparency there. Okay. (laughs) We're talking about the Lake Calumet on the south side of Chicago. The Mike Novak Show. Peggy Malecki will be right back. Okay. This is Mike Novak. If you're a sustainable business and you're not part of the McHenry County College Green Living Expo, my question is, what? It's McHenry County's largest annual green living event, but it's one of the best green events in the area. These folks get it. The energy is palpable. They're ready to change the world now with your help as a vendor or sponsor. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at McHenry.edu.
0: Farm Forward is helping to change the way our world eats and farms to promote conscientious food choices, reduce farmed animal suffering, and advance sustainable agriculture. We are changing policy, changing farming, and changing the story by working with farmers to build alternatives that put animals, farmers, and communities first. To learn more about Farm Forward's work to end animal suffering and advance sustainable agriculture, visit www.farmforward.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter and find out what you can do to help. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Farm Forward.
1: Are you looking for a new ride, ready to leave gas stations in the dust and speed away down the highway, zero to 60 in under three seconds? Well, here's your chance. The Illinois Solar Energy Association is raffling off a 2019 Tesla Model X, the award-winning all-electric SUV. But you need to get your tickets soon because only 2,500 will be sold. So how do you win? Go to store.illinoisolar.org. That's store.illinoisolar.org. Buy one raffle ticket for $100 or the four pack for $300. All raffle proceeds will fully benefit the Illinois Solar Energy Association, a nonprofit working to advance solar energy development throughout the state of Illinois. The winner will be drawn at the ISEA member meeting on December 5th, 2019. Anyone in the continental U.S. is eligible to win, and you don't even need to be present at the drawing to claim your prize. So get your tickets, the rules, and all the other small print details at IllinoisSolar.org today.
2: You gotta think about you (laughs) just can't
4: live without. <laughs> we got Jerry playing the, key- <laughs> Jerry's playing the keyboards here. I didn't know. Uh, You're a musician by any chance, Jerry? Uh, only in my mind. In your mind. <laughs> only in my mind. <laughs> Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, that is Jerry Brown from the south side of Chicago. We got Tom Shepard also from the south side of Chicago. Uh, and we'll get right back to them in a second. Got a minute for your trees? Bartlett Tree Experts and I know that people hate to do soil tests how do we know well when's the last time you did a soil test
1: Arr. Arr.
4: <laughs> i rest my case that said fall is a great time to fertilize trees and shrubs after you get a soil test with cooler temperatures and regular rainfall root development is usually vigorous at this time of year as roots grow they can absorb nutrients which are then translocated to the leaves Uh, or stored until next spring and then transported to the leaves. The folks at Bartlett Tree Experts are interested in both tree health and the environment. Their goals are to provide the nutrients your plants need without oversupplying those nutrients and to eliminate nutrients that are not needed. Soil nutrient samples are recommended to determine how to fertilize If a soil analysis has not been conducted within the last three years, ask your Bartlett arborist representative to collect a sample and send it to their laboratory. See? It's out of your hands. Contact an arborist representative because every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're talking about Lake Calumet on South Side. Boy, all the the good questions start coming out in the break, right, Jerry? Yes, absolutely. Uh, because, uh, you know, we started talking about the who owns the land, how the decisions get made. Yes. What folks need to know about it is, um, and you guys have both, Tom Shepard and Jerry, have alluded to this. This lake is sitting there, and right now, except for the the, the golf course that uh, we can't afford,
5: yeah,
4: um, the, it's surrounded by barbed wire. Yes. You can't get in there. Right. So that's the other thing. There's, there's this there's barbed wire with razor wire at the top of it. Right.
5: Exactly the six foot chain link.
4: Not <laughs> only that, there's a hundred years of degradation, chemical use. Yes. Um, uh, uh, shipping, you know, results of using it as a port as well. I mean, all of this stuff that goes into uh, trying to recover this land and make it available to, to human beings. Mm-hmm. You would think that because it's this great open space and has. Uh, Tom pointed out, the uh, the other lake mm-hmm. in Chicago, that we would want to do this. But we continue to sit on it, or at least the powers that be
5: continue to sit on it, and, and things do not move forward. You know, it's funny you mentioned that, making it available for human use. Uh, the board has a plan to make it available for human use, but not for the general public's use. Uh, we attended a presentation by Clayton Harris, who's the president of the board. He came out and, and explained to... Uh, the uh, the group the Lake Calumet Vision Committee uh, what their plans were and they want to add another there's already two 18 hole golf courses out there they want to add another golf course there was talk about it, uh, you know making a marina and what they would do is they they would clean up uh, all the chemical waste out there that's detrimental to human mm-hmm. to human beings yeah but that would be so they can build a marina so and the make fe- money off and it. make money off of it and the fat cats there were no talk uh, and he basically rejected the idea of setting aside the 282 acres that was agreed on by both uh, Pat Quinn and Rahm Emanuel. When it almost happened in 2014. Al- exactly. He, he basically rejected the entire idea of that. That would get in the way of their plans to make money. Uh, so what I did is uh, I took the research that the uh, group had done. Uh, they have been in operation for about 17, 18 years. Uh, I only came aboard in late 2016, and I did my own research. And I found out some interesting things. I found out that they were a municipal menace- corporation in and of itself, and that's kind of important when it comes to the idea of the casino. Mm-hmm. But I also uh, found out that uh, they weren't making any money other than, on, like you said, uh, it's a, a minuscule amount of money that they're making off of the uh, off of the port operation. But uh, the whole idea of setting something aside for the community is just something they don't want to do. So I went and I uh, prepared a statement, and I presented it to the board. And uh, the chairman, Mike Ford, after I finished uh, my statement— Uh, He treated me as you talk about, you guys were talking about talking like a pirate. It was like (laughs) dealing with a pirate. It was like dealing with, I mean, seriously. He, 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 yeah, he uh, treated me as if I came out there and insulted them because I was requesting something public land to be used by the public. Yeah, right. And uh, they didn't. Well, that has been the point all along. It's you guys, because.
4: uh, you have to go across the highway, yes. Uh, but there are neighborhoods there that exactly. have needed this kind of recreational area
5: for exactly. a long, long time. And not only that, Mike, I mean, the the, the nature out there. I mean, if you you, you know, think about seven or eight-year-old kids taking trips out there and seeing all this nature the way God made it, you know, you never know what kind of thing that would spark in a Well, child. we have bald eagles out there Exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, children in Chicago and Oak Gardens and Roses, they've know, never and
4: seen and anything and like meant, that. You know, and when I say that it's, it's been degraded and maybe, Tom, you can jump into this as well uh yeah there's a 100 year, years of industrial use there but land is remarkable and water are remarkably resilient, resilient. Yes. they bounce back yes. and if we give them an opportunity and and help them along that could happen right Tom
7: it certainly could happen and, and one of the very unfortunate things is with all of the uh grant money that has been available over the past uh, couple decades now since they set aside the uh, great lakes restoration funds and and uh uh, Chicago's two river funds and uh, other funds that are available for cleanups and for uh, clean water and whatnot the board, the uh, port district has never ever applied for any of these funds. The only funds that they've applied for and have achieved are like homeland security so that they could enclose the uh, entire place, like Peggy said, putting razor wire around there. Uh, when we were kids, we had open access out mm-hmm. there. Uh, there was a, there were uh, a whole generation of fishermen that would go out there and take fish from there, and, and hunting and and uh, just exploring and hiking and whatnot back there. And in recent years, they've uh, made it more and more of a closed club, like Jerry said. And and their plans do not include opening it to the public. Now Clayton Harris did say that they would put some of the property. Uh, uh, off to open land, but, but their idea could be like uh, six acres of lawn for uh, a hotel. Or not
4: contiguous.
7: Yeah. Right, right. But what we're really talking about is something that could be useful and beneficial and uh, uh, something that the public could really enjoy. Uh, the the uh, lake could be used for, for rowing, competition, fishing, yes. uh, hiking uh, operations out there. They're, they're talking about bike paths, uh, possibilities, and like and, uh, you've that, been that, out there with us. Yeah, on, I have been. On, and, but yeah. the you
4: guys have been talking about all of that stuff for 20 years mm-hmm. or, or 30 years. I mean, this is right going now. on. You sent me a timeline dating back to 1981 where people starting to talk about plans uh, going at Lake Calumet. So we got about five minutes left. So the question is... Yeah. How does this move forward? uh, What is the Lake Calumet Vision Committee doing, and and how do people get engaged? And how do we actually take down the barbed wire, take down the razor wire, and open this up to the public?
7: Well, let me say a couple things and let Jerry talk, too. But I'll I'll say that Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, on the 17th of uh, September, at Harborside International Golf Course. They have a nice (laughs) banquet room there. They are going to deliver their second annual uh, State of the Port. And this is an opportunity for the public. It's open to the public uh, for them to come in and voice their opinions at their first annual, their first one last year. A lot of us came out and and talked to uh, Clayton Harris, who is the uh, chair. He is actually the director. The chairman is, Uh, a fellow named Michael Ford that was appointed by uh, Mayor Emanuel. And uh, so people can come out on Tuesday and voice their opinions. We plan to be there. A number of our organization people will be there, and and, uh, people from the public and community groups to tell them that we insist that they set some of this property aside for public enjoyment, public use, recreation, passive recreation, and for nature. So...
4: And that's uh, from that, uh, five thirty to seven. <laughs> All right, so this is from five right. five thirty to, to seven. What's the date again?
3: Tuesday, September seventeenth, at Harborside International Golf
4: Center. And this is the Port Authority is having this meeting. Uh, you're nodding, Jerry. Yeah. So right, yes. I'm yes. putting. I'm right.
0: posting I'm it on Facebook.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, and so right. here's ahead. here's your opportunity to say. Uh, can we stop? You know, you raise your hand very politely. Say, can we stop dithering? Is that okay? Yeah. yeah can exactly. We, can we? Can we actually? Yeah. Can we make something happen? Can we get this done finally and and open up this beautiful land? Uh, used to be beautiful, can be beautiful again, uh, and that's already filled with nature. Uh, and one of the great things about barbed wire is that. It keeps people out, but it keeps nature yeah. around, yeah. yeah. And you know, it yeah. keeps and it keeps people from messing with nature. Yeah, so sure. nature's there doing its thing already. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm.
5: uh, so all right. So that's one way to get involved. Yes, also, Jerry. Also, I'm you know I'm, I believe in political activism, and uh, nothing happens without the vote. Uh, all of these guys that sit on that board, which I'm you know I can't say for certain, but I'm sure that that's where the majority of the opposition to our ideas coming yeah. from. And with those guys, I, I don't know exactly how mm-hmm. long their terms are. Uh, I don't know if they can be ended immediately. But if we put the proper people in place as far as you know, as far as voting, as far as the elections go, maybe we can get some change there and maybe get some movement in the proper direction that would benefit not just the people who they're looking out for, but the uh, general public. Uh, so you're you
3: know. talking about the Port Authority Board or the aldermen in the area? The, well,
5: again, these appointments to the board are made by the governor and by the mayor. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have a mayor who said... And like you said, we've seen no activity in that direction yet. Yeah, who said right. that she's all for it? And now mm-hmm. we have a different current governor again. Maybe uh, we can approach him again and see him something about maybe either putting pressure on the existing board uh, to back up off of this opposition that they're giving to our idea, or maybe replace them. You know, and that that kind of pressure has to come from the community. Now, well, are, are the board members right now? Uh, are they all? Appointees from
4: previous Absolutely. administrations yes, so this is a point where you could bring in new Absolutely. blood
5: yeah and that 's my and that's that 's my vision that 's what I see
4: i mean i don't know how long the terms are
5: i, I don 't right? either, and and that 's something i haven 't looked at uh, because uh you know i didn 't anticipate this uh, opposition to continue to go and be as strong as it is, but uh, they seem adamantly opposed to anything that the uh, vision committee is up uh, well and then
4: to. then there's this idea that uh we've got a minute here uh keeps being floated about a casino. Uh, I don't know. You know, if you're going to do a casino, just do it downtown, okay, because that's where it's going to – uh, yeah. that's where all the money is anyway. If you yeah. want to do it, bring it. Why? Why take the? Why are they always putting casinos in the poor neighborhoods? Is what I want to know. Yeah, uh, I,
5: I don't have a clue. Although that's not <laughs> true
4: because there's rivers out in the suburbs. Yeah, so exactly. that's not a poor neighborhood. Yeah, all right, no. uh, Jerry Brown. Uh, thank you so much for being You're here in the studio. Welcome. Tom Shepard, to be here. Um, thank you. We'll continue to follow this. Uh, it's it's an interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, to say the least. issue, yeah, that never gets resolved. <laughs> yes. And uh, we hope it does show up at the meeting Tuesday 5-something-something. Uh, five 5.30 five to, five to 7. All right. We'll be back. From Mike Novak Thank so you, Thank you, Mike.
7: <laughs>
3: City Grange, Chicago's newest and most unique garden center, wants to remove all barriers to your gardening success. How? By providing organic heirloom plants for your kitchen garden, pollinator-friendly natives and annuals, container planting to go. They deliver the plants, you put them in. Who does that? Classes for adults and kids, special events, and more. They even have complimentary valet parking on weekends. 5500 Northwestern Avenue at Catalpa. Citygrange.com. Learn. Shop. blossom. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're working on our science every show.
1: Well, the elm leaf beetle uh, and elm flea weevil are the two main ones that, that hit the elm trees, the hybrid elms. Elf leaf beetle. Elm leaf beetle.
4: Elm leaf beetle yeah. and the flea. Uh, elm flea weevil. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Easy for you to say.
3: Sundays, 9 to 11 a.m., 1590 and 95 9. Chicago Smart Talk.
4: If you love to landscape with trees and you haven't been to Rich's Fox Willow Pines in Woodstock, you've missed out on their collection of unique conifers and rare deciduous trees. Unfortunately, after 31 years in business, they're closing their doors at the end of 2019. So now is the time to take advantage of 40% off for container trees and 30% off in ground trees. There's still a good supply of pines, spruces, firs, hemlocks, junipers, yews, and the deciduous larches, bald cypresses, and dawn redwoods. Many of the cultivars are dwarf in form or have unusual shapes, such as weeping, mounding, columnar, or angular. Like I said, Dad, these are not your grandfather's conifers. If you've been to the Shedd Aquarium, the Lincoln Park Conservatory, or the Chicago Botanic Garden, you've seen some of these fantastic trees. Go to Rich's Fox Willow Pines for more information. Follow them on Facebook and sign up for the e newsletter.
5: Mike Novak. Mike Novak. Mike Novak, you take his flowers and move to Evanston with Peggy. I Mike, didn't move Novak, here. Everybody. Mike I just Novak. work here. Mike Novak,
4: you take his flowers and move to Evanston. <laughs> R arr, Arrrr. That's, arr. that's Rick Moskowitz. R, Who did that intro for us. Welcome back to the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, I saw, uh, well, uh, a very. We were talking yesterday. I mentioned. I mentioned uh, earlier. Uh, we were at a great event yesterday uh, at the Field Museum in Chicago. The uh, Faith in Place Green Team. Summit. Green Team. That's what I was trying to think of. Yeah. Green Team. Well, it was they're, green they're, something. It was green they're, something. Their fourth annual. Fourth green annual team and summit. lots of really cool people there uh, who came from all over, not only just Chicago but downstate and other states, and it was really really interesting. So we got to talking about. Uh, a bunch of different things like water and flooding and insects. Um, we we were we were talking about that and and it reminded me because somebody was asking
3: dragonflies and dragonflies. Okay, oh,
4: I'm so glad you said that because then I contacted Doug Taren from uh, the Peggy Notabart Nature Museum uh, about dragonflies and because we had a question about are they migrating now because we know monarchs at this time of year. Mm-hmm. Begin to migrate. They have started, yep. I took a, I showed you the video I took of the monarch in my backyard. That guy, or gal, was charging up. Uh, I mean, just sucking a nectar out of my heptacodium tree. And if you don't know what a heptacodium is, that's okay. Nobody else does either. (laughs) The monarchs do. The monarchs know. And the bees. Oh, my goodness. The bees love heptacodium because it blooms at this time of year. It's called Seven Suns Tree. Uh, I don't know why. Hmm. Okay, if you look it up, like uh,
3: S-U-N-S. Uh, no, S-O-N-S,
4: S-O-N-S. I, like I'm pretty seven sure. Seven
3: brothers, seven brides for yeah, seven brothers. I, I, well, sons. see, and I have to
4: be careful because I always think I'm. It's seven brothers. I go no, that's the movie. In fact, right. uh, I'm gonna just tell, let's see, seven. I'm gonna make sure I get it right. Seven sons. Tree. tree. Yeah, it popped right up. It is. Uh, yep. Uh, Heptacodium. Heptacodium minne. Conoides. Coneoides. <laughs> Coney Island.
3: Well, I, I like the Morton Arboretum's description. Seven sunflower, which is really a large shrub or small tree. Really well, it is. a large it's, shrub.
4: It's a really well it, it is because it doesn't get to be terribly tall. Yeah. Maybe 20, 25 feet. So it's a good understory, but you need mm-hmm. the sun because it has these beautiful white, very fragrant blooms, and, and the blossoms are dropping all over my backyard right now, which I really love. And this is an interesting story, actually, about this tree because it it pulled a Lazarus on me. Err, what it, a Lazarus! It died, and oh. then it popped back, and now it's thriving again. You know, the old trunk is dead there, and I left it because the birds love it. Uh, you know, and and. Critters love it. The squirrels. And it looks cool. It looks cool. And the squirrels sit on it and chow down on whatever they find in my yard, <laughs> like my bulbs. And, um. Do you leave little salt shakers out for them? No, I do not. Well, they do, yeah. They, you know, maybe give them pepper. So these little little squirrel sneezes go on. <laughs> uh, and, uh, although they do chatter at my cat, they do not like it when my cat's in the yard. Uh but the the the, the heptacodium is just blooming like crazy, and so this butterfly came to me uh, the other day, and was uh, so robust and and beautiful and large, and seemed really healthy. And then it, it 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 fed on the tree for a while, and then it went up, way up into the air, was like power diving. And I thought, ooh, that's a sugar rush. This butterfly is headed to Mexico right now. So. That's one of the things you see it this year. So uh, yesterday we talked to folks about uh, dragonflies as well, and some said, well, are the dragonflies migrating? And some dragonflies migrate, uh, like the monarch. See, not all butterflies migrate, Mm -hmm. not all dragonflies migrate, but some do. And uh, Doug Taran is uh, a... um, uh, he is a, a, an expert. Mm-hmm. He's an entomologist. He's an entomologist, biologist uh, at Pet- Peggy Notabart Nature Museum. And so he's going to be on the show in the next couple of weeks. And uh, we will ask him for a butterfly dragonfly report for 2019 because I want to know what his observations and his fellow researchers are seeing this year uh, with butterflies and dragonflies and that sort of thing.
3: Yeah, I'm looking on journeynorth.org right now, which is one of the sites that tracks them. And they said uh, a lot of their observers are reporting large numbers of migrating monarchs already. Uh, They're moving along the shorelines and the skies coming out of the northeast. So they've started to move out of the northeastern states already, and I think the Midwest as well. And the reports this year seem to be showing a lot of monarchs on the move.
4: That's good. And what is it called, and I'm going to forget this, and I I know I sound like an idiot, but uh, when they mass? Like on a tree. Roost. The roost. All right. I've never, seen, I want to see a monarch roost. I've never seen a monarch roost where you have hundreds or yeah. thousands of monarchs on one tree uh, or one area and then they, yeah. they up and they go.
3: JourneyNorth.org has photos um, from Ohio and Ontario, South Dakota, of roosts up in cottonwoods and other large trees right now. Yeah. yeah. I've never seen them either. It uh, would be amazing to see.
4: Right. And uh, so that led me to remember an article I saw earlier this week about spiders. And, of course, everybody Arr. Arr, spiders. Um, Everybody's unnaturally afraid of spiders, pretty much everybody. Um, and I was talking to somebody at the conference yesterday and saying, you know, just tolerate them mm-hmm. if, if you can. Or escort them out the door. Uh, because spiders uh, are beginning to creep into homes, according to this article. The, a guy we had on the show couple of years ago Alan Lawrence uh, who's the associate curator of entomology at Peggy Notobard so he works with Doug right. Tarrant. so they're they're the the bug guys over there and uh, he says that at this time of year uh, some spiders uh, well they they can be larger because they're you know they've been around all, all summer uh, especially wolf spiders can stand out. get pretty big, yeah. Yeah, because they're fully grown um, and because there are more flying insects around for spiders to feast on. More prey means more spiders. That's kind of the way it it works. Uh, Wolf spiders are common in our area. Uh, They can be quite large. They're gray or brown, a bit fuzzy, can be as big as 10 centimeters or as small as just a few millimeters. Um, Those spiders don't build webs, though they can make burrows, and they're active hunters who crawl on the ground. Uh, And then there are the gray cross spiders, also called bridge spiders, and they're big conspicuous orb weavers, Mm -hmm. says Lawrence. They're most common by water because they feed on insects that live in water like mosquitoes and gnats or midges. So this is the time of year. um, You know, and as I was telling folks yesterday, spiders are the good guys. And that's what they say in this article, too. If you spot a spider, it, it says here, try not to freak out. Don't just get reach for the book.
3: No, no, go, no,
4: no. No, don't do that. Uh because they eat pests you don't want in your home. So they suggest what you suggest, which is place a cup over the spider, slide a piece of paper underneath and carry the spider outside. Mm-hmm. Or i just carry it into another part of the house where I can't see it.
3: Well, do that in the winter.
4: Uh, yeah, Because right.
3: otherwise, they're, they're going to freeze when they go outside. But right now,
4: out the door. Yeah. Um, and as I say, they're the good guys. So don't – you know, if you see a cockroach, that's a, that's one thing. Yeah. <laughs> now, then you get the book. In the... Well, then you wonder
3: why it's there, too.
4: But... Uh, and then you wonder if there's one, are there going to be oh, more? Dear. Oh, dear. Yeah. yeah. So – Well,
3: it's, it's actually kind of interesting – if you have a lot of webs in your yard, you've got a good ecosystem going because there's plenty of insects for them to feed on. I would think if you don't have a lot of spiders, you probably don't have a lot of insects. So,
4: this is why when I'm walking out the door towards the garage and I get a face full of web <laughs> uh-huh. on the way out, ah, wow, oh, I hate it when that happens because it happens
3: all the time. I yeah.
4: grow my plants too close together. <laughs> And then the spiders go across, and they build the web across. It's a spider party. And they catch human beings sometimes <laughs> right in the middle and of it. And they go, Arr! Arr, We are spiders. Spiders be us. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Stick around. We've got a lot more to come. Check us out on Facebook. I guess YouTube is up, too. Yeah. How cool is that? We'll be back.
1: Captain's Log, Stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Worf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus.
5: That is incorrect, Mr. Worf. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very
1: popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Sound red alert. Shields up. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to
5: Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe.
1: Edgar Allan Poe, author of my favorite children's stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm, it seems to be available online at aroundtheblockpress.com. 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 Yes, Mr. Wong. Yes, Captain. AroundTheBlockPress.com How many times can I say it?
0: Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and
6: Mike Novak.
5: All I need is good food to eat and Make me healthy,
4: wealthy, wide awake Lettuce, tomatoes, root, and bacon what about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good foodie. All I need is good foodie. All I need is good tools to make me music for this lingerie. No, Get come on. The oh There we are. <laughs> the Do you have a little pirate hat on?
1: <laughs> Alan. Alan! Alan!
4: You, you turned that Alan. off, didn't Alan. you, Andrew, for Ow. a second?
1: Alan! When the display was on, I did.
4: Ah, there on. we go. But we found it, and now it's, it's back to working, so... We can do that. And we uh, just a reminder yep. to everybody. Don't be a jerk. All right. Well, what what are you waving oh, to? I
3: was just going to tell him something about Facebook, but we're good.
4: No, don't tell them anything about Facebook. Nobody cares. <laughs> I mean, not I don't mean you. I mean about Facebook. Who cares about Facebook? <laughs> Listen to us. the people
3: that. watching us on Facebook?
4: Well, at, at least we're there again this and year. And we're
3: back on YouTube, too, this week.
4: Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Whatever. Okay, well, sure. well yes, for those who because don't
3: recall last week we were old school. We were AM and FM only. And streaming. And you streaming know, what I mean? it was and funny tune because in. it's
4: like I said we're totally old school and you said, "Oh, of course we're streaming on everything." And it's like busted my whole line of logic there. They're they're so But
3: that's still old streaming. school. Streaming's so old school.
4: Is it? Yeah. Is it now? Is that I thought AM radio was so old school. Anyway, welcome AM's back retro. to the show. And uh so we we we've we've got sound effects we were talking about uh, different animals in the first uh, well insects in the first hour
7: What is these animals
4: Is there mongooses Yeah uh we didn't talk about mongooses at all uh but uh one I want to talk about chickens and I don't even have Chickens Oh wait well chickens we need to uh bring up the the chicken music so uh tell us there's a next Saturday and Sunday um we f- have the Windy City
3: Coop tour ninth Coop annual. Coop
4: and eco yard tour. It's uh,
3: backyard livestock and yeah, eco
4: yards. Exactly. So uh, I'm sure you have that information. What's what's going on there? Is
3: the 9th annual tour? Um, we got this from our friend Martha Boyd. Uh, Saturday, September 21st, and Sunday, September 22nd, next weekend, from 10 to 1 and 1 to 4. So there's a lunch break in the middle. It's basically a free self guided tour of people's. Um, chicken and backyard livestock raising operations around the city there's 22 sites around Chicago it's self-guided you can get a map and uh, tour any or all of them you do need to to they suggest you check just to make sure in case there's some issue between now and then but it's all at chicagochickens.org
4: yeah and we wanted to make sure we got that information out because uh we did we did reach out to, to Martha but we didn't hear back from her so but we know she'd appreciate that uh, we were telling you this because you can get a map. If you go online, uh, you know, we should we should post this on our Facebook page as well, Ellie, mm-hmm. the, the 2019 Windy City Coupe and Eco Yard Tour. Have, can you send that along to her? Do you already yeah, I'll, have it? Yeah, I'll
3: send her the PDF. Let's um, make sure
4: that that gets up there, too, because there's a map of tour locations and all the site info. Um mm-hmm. Uh, do not bring your dogs or other pets. Uh, don't bring your mongooses. Uh, don't bring any of that stuff. Don't
3: show up expecting to use the bathroom at someone's home, things like that. <laughs> this is, you know, it's That's tour a, etiquette.
4: It's kind of rude, isn't but, it? Yeah, it's yeah. tour
3: etiquette. It's You're you're visiting people's homes, but you're looking at their chickens and their other livestock. It's actually um, going to be in 17 of Chicago's 50 wards. So it's it's a pretty large area. It's getting area. bigger and bigger yeah.
4: each year, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: Uh, It says you can learn about gardening, composting, permaculture, and rainwater harvesting as part of a sustainable urban lifestyle that's integrating chickens and other backyard livestock.
4: And it's uh, co-sponsored by Angelic Organics Learning Center and the Chicagoland Chicken Enthusiasts. And, of course, uh, when Martha's on the show, I usually play this. Uh, but she's not here. But I'm playing it anyway because, uh, and I'm not playing the hen house five. No, I noticed. Uh, it's plus two. Uh, I don't. I've got it there someplace. It goes on too long, though. This is pretty short.
2: Yeah.
3: That's short.
4: Short enough. <laughs> I'll listen to the whole thing. I'll play it again if you want. Ah, uh, uh, so
3: ChicagoChickens dot org has all of the information.
4: ChicagoChickens.org. Well, that's good. Um, And uh, what made me think of this, of course, is the fact that you and I have been spending uh, all of our free time in the last couple of weeks looking at gardens um because uh the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards are about to be announced um drumroll we, we have a drumroll n- n- well no, you'd have to work. do a drumroll for about a week because they're probably all the n- the winner names will come out in about a week um we had a lot of gardens and we had to slog through it and it's really hard work believe it or not because we get we send out our judges and then they send us a report and then we have to look at it and go okay let's compare let's map this out and see who who makes the cut and mm-hmm. who doesn't, and who gets special awards? But we've started giving out the rain barrels, uh, courtesy of Commissioner Kim Du Buclay from the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago. Uh, we are giving away five rain barrels just for entering. We we've started pulling names, and we've had two winners already. Mm-hmm. We'll have another one tomorrow, and three more this week yeah. uh, in total. Uh, and, so that's kind of cool.
3: And all of the City Grange uh, fifteen dollar gift certificates for entering have have also been sent out over time.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it's all coming to a head, and the big award ceremony is going to be on October 12th. Uh, so if you entered a garden and you haven't heard anything, guess what? You're going to hear very, very soon. All right. it's It's just the middle, exactly the middle of September, which means there's still time to work on your lawn. That's why we have our next guest here, Amy Cox, co-owner of Protime Lawn Seed. Uh, We're going to talk to her about some special mixes. Maybe we're even going to help Peggy. We'll be back. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki.
3: When it comes to caring for your trees, you want the best science and the best arborists. You get exactly that with Bartlett Tree Experts. For three generations, training and education have been central to the work of this family-owned company. And Bartlett is the leader in safety, whether it's your home, or your business, Bartlett Tree Experts uses the most effective and environmentally sensitive methods. Call for a free estimate. Every tree needs a champion. Go to bartlett.com. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle, at Mike now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show, or write to us, mike at mikenovak.net. We're also at thegreendivas.com and on the Gab Radio Network. Podcasts and blog posts are available every week at mikenovac.net. Sign up for posts in our newsletter on the homepage and support the sponsors who support us. Look for their logos and specials at Mikenovak.net. Like the pollinator
4: chorus? Yeah, it's the Olympic. It's, we're uh, we're going to be having our our Olympic competition in lawn starting, uh, <laughs> beginning right now. Welcome to the back Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Wait. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, welcome back. And uh, uh, several weeks ago, we had a guy on the show oh. named Ryan Anderson from Midwest Grows Green, uh, which kind of came out of the Midwest Pesticide Action Center, which uh, is no longer around, but that work is being carried on by uh, an organization called Midwest Grows Green. And he started uh, telling me, I don't even know if it was on air, might have even been off air, uh, about working with this company on the West Coast called Pro-Time Lawn Seed, about putting in some lawns uh, in the Midwest. And I was kind of surprised because I've talked about lawn care and especially natural lawn care for ever, for at least 22 years. And I had never heard of this company and I was kind of stunned that I hadn't. So I said, uh, Ryan, uh, you got to give me this information. And uh, I immediately Wrote to them. Uh, he gave me a contact person. Uh, Amy Cox was one of them, and she is with us on the Skype machine right now from Portland, Oregon. Is it? Are you in Portland, Amy?
0: We are oh. in our southeast side. Yep.
4: Okay, fantastic. I consider, at least I used to. <laughs> Twenty. Well, back in the nineties, I directed a play in Portland. All right. Uh, my, my my background is is actually theater and showbiz. Uh, horticulture came later on. Uh but at the time. To- yeah. Uh, yeah uh, <laughs> wow. All right, give uh, uh, arr. Arr. uh all, in, all in, I gotta say to you, Amy, is Don't be a jerk. Okay, there we go.
3: And in case you're wondering about our International Talk Like a Pirate Day is coming up on the
4: 19th. Yes. Okay. So, so. Amy, can you give us an R? There you go.
3: Nice She gets a ding. Okay, she's done for done Ring for the hour.
4: Arr. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) and, uh, so, uh, Amy, I, I wrote to you immediately and said, okay, you, you gotta be on the show because we're, we're up against a deadline here. As I tell folks, fall is the best time to work on your lawn, right?
0: That's right. Absolutely.
4: I mean, folks have this idea because all the ads are in the spring, uh, when things green up, I, and I laugh, I laugh at people. Uh, who well I if they don't understand when uh, the big uh, chemical companies come out and and say hey you got to put fertilizer down right now because that's the only way your lawn will green up and I and I tell folks you know what that's what that's what turf does in the spring it greens up okay so especially putting it on four times a year I say is is usually pretty ridiculous so and the other thing is so if you're really going to work on your lawn. Don't pay attention to those commercials then. gear towards the end of August, beginning of September, that's when you want to get your work done. Now, why is that a good time to work on a lawn, uh, especially cool season grasses, Amy?
0: Yeah, it's it's the perfect time to put, uh, overseed or put in a new lawn. Um, you want to make sure you do it about, you know, six weeks, at least four weeks before your first hard frost. But in doing so, um, you know, you're going to get it in before going into winter. It's going to be uh, established. And then over winter, it kind of works on that root development. Um, And so it comes out in the spring, uh, much more drought tolerant, resilient to uh, the hot temperatures of summer to come.
4: So that's the answer, the short answer. And that's very concise. Thank you, Amy. My question to you is, how come I haven't heard of you guys? Uh, And I know that you and your partners took over this company about five years ago, right?
0: We did. Uh we're actually uh ProTime is celebrating its 40th year this year and uh five years now as new owners. Um and you know, I think we saw something just remarkable in um the offerings that they had, the different types of products, mainly the Ecolon seed mixes. Um we also hadn't heard of it before, um gardener longtime gardeners and uh landscape professionals here, and uh we just thought it was a brilliant idea, and sure enough, um You know, as we kind of got the word out and uh, used more, um, you know, our website and uh, outreach to people, um, I think the reaction has been very, very strong that people are looking for uh, land alternatives um, for their green spaces and species diversity um, and nitrogen fixation so we don't have to use fertilizers.
4: You know, there's a lot of great benefits to Eco Yeah. Uh and you're saying all the right things there. And we should uh, note that you are originally from Illinois, though. I am. Yes. Yeah, so uh welcome back to uh to the folks in, in Illinois. Uh transplanted to uh the Pacific Northwest. And uh the thing that it caught my attention when I was talking to Ryan Anderson about this uh, several weeks ago was Your your dog lawn. okay? the lawn that because I I get this. I've gotten this question for 20 years. People say, how can I have a lawn and a dog in the backyard at the same time? And I basically say you can't choose one. All right. Uh, You guys put the lie to that. You say, no, you you really can do something like that, can't you?
0: Yes. And you're, you're talking about our dog park mix. Mm-hmm. Um, we really love this mix. Um, it's got uh, micro clover in it um, and it's also got turf type tall fescue, which is that wider bladed grass, very deep rooted, very upright growing. Um, and then we put a little bit of perennial rye in there. That's for quick germination. You know, if there are holes created from that, your, your best friend running around on that <laughs> lawn, um, it kind of helps to, to self-repair. Uh, some of those areas. So yeah, the dog park mix has been very popular. And um, the tall fescue and the clover uh, also do a pretty good job of repelling those negative effects from pet urine. Um, they kind of shut it off and, and don't spot as easily as some other types of long grasses.
4: You guys uh, have a sense of humor as well, because uh, the mix includes turf way tall fescue, bloodhound tall fescue, <laughs> foxhound tall fescue... uh,
3: My dog would be right at home there. Yeah,
4: really. (laughs) Uh, And the thing, uh, and by the way, folks, if you want it, you can check out all the different kinds of lawn seeds they have at ptlawnseed.com. And then uh, uh, go to, well, you go to categories on the left there. And that one's under ecology and alternative because that's kind of alternative. All right. And then you've got conventional, but even under your conventional lawn seeds uh, there's a lot that I consider not so conventional. Um but uh you 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 put lots of fescues in these lawn mixes, you put clovers in them, you put things in that the the big boys are going to tell you are weeds. And you have to ignore those guys when they say that and and when they say how to get rid of clover in your lawn. I say, why are you trying to get rid of clover in your lawn? Uh, because it's, it's a nitrogen fixer. Explain how that works, uh, Amy.
0: Yeah, well, I probably don't know the, the complete science on that, but certainly um, clovers are amazing. Um, you know, they can uh, pull nitrogen out of the air um, and, and fix nitrogen into the soil. They feed themselves and they can feed the companion grasses around them, sometimes flowers and other forbs. Um, and what that does is that it keeps the lawn kind of just in its ultimate health, if you will, you know, it's, it's, uh, self-regulating so that you don't need to apply those fertilizers. And we sure know from experience, a lot of people apply fertilizers improperly or, you know, too frequently or, or maybe not enough, but the, uh, not, that, not, are gonna not so
4: much that one. Put it down I would just right. Yeah. Well, and, and as you mentioned, too much nitrogen, uh, is, is a source mm-hmm. of pollution in our water. It causes, Algae blooms along with phosphorus. Uh, it causes dead zones uh, in, in the Gulf of Mexico and other places in the world. Uh, and, this, and, and when you get a bag of fertilizer that's, you know, 28% nitrogen by weight, you know most of it's not going to be absorbed by the plant. It's going to end up in our water table. So you guys have come along and you're, you're doing what we used to do 50, 60 years ago, which was put clover seed. In a small amount in our mixes, except you're doing it more sophisticated. You've got that micro clover. And and I started talking about micro clover, I want to say 15 years ago, uh, and then it kind of disappeared.
3: And what is micro clover
4: versus regular clover? Uh, Amy, how about answering that question?
0: Yeah, well, micro clover is a um, uh, a dwarf variety of Dutch white clover. Uh, It is a proprietary seed, um, so um, it is trademarked. Uh, But it is a dwarf variety, Mm -hmm. and one of the things uh, that we like about it, other than just the nitrogen fixing, which all clovers do, um, but it also um, has a different growth habit. It spreads evenly, unlike Dutch white clover, which might be more of a clumping type. Um, And then it also does bloom less over time. So it really makes a great additive to lawn seed mixes. Mm -hmm. Uh, It mows very well. In fact, it does need to be mowed. I think there's some misconception about that. You do need to mow it or line trim it occasionally um, to keep it very small, uh, but it looks just great evenly uh, distributed throughout a lawn.
3: Well, as Mike was saying, 50, 60 years ago, we used to have a lot of clover, and then we got away from it.
0: What's We actually have an article uh, from the New York Times, uh, 1912, mm. uh, just suggesting to people that you, know, you put clover in the lawn. I think it was just something uh, everybody did as a matter yeah. of course, um, and then- Later, kind of big chemical came along and changed all that for us.
4: Well, they did, and I and I just have this. Uh, I imagine this meeting sometime in probably the 50s or 60s, uh, some cigar smoking guys in a room going Arr, uh like pirates and saying, "I know it'll make people crazy. Let's tell them that that clover's a weed." Yeah, and then we'll we tell sell them sell
3: a lot of stuff uh, with we'll, that,
4: and we'll tell them how to kill it, and we'll tell them that the only thing they can have are these. Kentucky Bluegrass blades, yeah, that are <laughs> and, you, and you're sighing there, Amy, when I say that.
0: <laughs> she knows it's that's, true. <laughs> that's right. I think a lot of uh, what we're doing now is is just changing uh, what people's conception is of a lawn. you know and I like to talk about it more as a green space. you know how do you use it? Um, and then from there we can talk about all the different uh, species variety that you might put there. Um, just to make the the space uh, greener, if you like the green, um, and maybe draw some pollinators if you want to do that. Um, but just make it more useful, but thus fewer inputs uh, with your time and also with fertilizer and water.
4: Uh, by the way, that's Amy Cox, who is the co-owner of ProTime Lawn Seed. Based in Portland, Oregon. Uh, again, if you want to get more information, go to their website. You can go to mine; I got a link, but it's easier just to go to theirs: ptlawnseed.com. Uh You mentioned uh, the micro clover being proprietary. Is that your proprietary, or somebody else's proprietary?
0: No that would, that would be DLF International Seed. Okay. So we are a distributor of that seed.
4: Right? Is, are they the only ones doing micro clover, or somebody? Are there other types of micro clover out there?
0: They are the only ones. That's there so, are other dwarf yeah. clovers, I think, mm-hmm. uh, but I couldn't speak to that. I'm not sure, uh, you know, the science uh, behind some of the other seeds that people might be talking Well,
4: it's about. interesting. Like I said, I was we talking about it uh, a decade and a half ago uh, with somebody who was uh, working on it out here. And then I approached him a few years later. and I said, hey, what, how's that micro clover doing? He goes, eh, that didn't really work out that well for us. So it's, it's, it's got to be tricky is, is what I would think.
0: I think it is tricky. And uh, in fact, right now we're looking at a shortage of it for this coming year. Really? Um, so that's, you know, it's the nature of being in basically farming. Um, there are crop failures, there are uh, trends in seed, and, you know, there's only so much of it to go around.
4: So which mixes will that affect if you've got a shortage of seed? And is that for 2019 or 2020 as we move forward?
0: It's really going to be into the next crop year. So until we get new, we have, you know, the the crops coming in now, um, but we know that it's, um, you know, we're going to have a little bit of a shortfall on some of that. But our mixes, the dog park mix and the R&R EcoTurf, uh, those are uh, micro clover seed mixes. And then we have a whole cast of other uh, seed mixes that will include clover as well that uh, Mm -hmm. also do, you know, the same nitrogen fixing and all that great stuff. Well,
4: let's talk about some of those. We're going to break in a a couple of minutes, but we'll come back and finish it. Uh, One of the things you talk about is, uh, you know, putting plants in there that pollinators like. And again, that sometimes that just scares people. They say, what? You mean there's going to be bees in my lawn? Um, Yeah, but most of the time you don't really have to worry about that. (laughs) And uh, and if you're helping the bees, you're probably doing a good thing, right, Amy?
0: That's right. Absolutely. I think so. Um, And there are ways to Kind of live with your eco lawn without having bees all the time.
4: Uh, yeah. So I want to go over some of these. Uh, we talked about some the dog cool names to some of them. I know there are some great names. The fleur de lawn. Uh, you've got the I'd say ar-
0: that
4: fleur de lawn. Fleur de lawn. <laughs> <Arr>. Very good. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you've got the let it grow grasses. Uh, you've got the the waterless eco lawn mix. Uh, you've got the verdant lawn and it looks like a guinea pig in the picture there. Uh, is that a guinea pig? What is that?
0: I, I think it's a gerbil.
4: Oh, okay. Well. I'm
0: not sure. It's it's a happy it's a happy critter. <laughs> they have
4: hi- yes. hiding in the lawn. Oh, it looks lawn. like
0: a hamster. <laughs> that might be maybe,
3: a hamster. Maybe it
4: is. Maybe it's a ham- Maybe
3: it's a hamster. There's
4: there's no difference yes. uh, among those yes. three animals. And then there's right. let it be. Uh, a nomo uh this B B E let it
3: be yeah let it be
4: uh and so let's uh uh let's talk really briefly about let's the fleur de lawn the idea that you're planting a lawn not just to have it perfectly green but you want some flowering stuff there as well tell me a little bit about your fleur de lawns
0: well fleur de lawn is a is a special one for us we've been uh selling this for almost 30 years Uh, We do have a trademark on that mix, Uh, but it features the English daisy, and we love that in a lawn, um, uh, the daisy sets its bloom very low on the stem, and it also kind of grows somewhat evenly throughout the lawn area, and you can mow it, uh, and the blooms come right back, and people absolutely love it. Um, This is really what uh, started the whole uh, eco-lawn trend for us. And uh, we've been testing it now for almost 30
4: years. Fantastic. All right. Like I said, we need to break here. We're going to come back to Amy Cox. We're going to give you uh, an assignment, Amy, um, an actual lawn that needs actual work. And it's the lawn of the person standing next to me here. She's got her hand up in the air. Uh, That's Peggy Malecki. We'll be back with Lawn Care right after this.
6: Is your couch killing you? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Americans have much higher levels of flame retardants in their bodies than anyone else in the world. In fact, California children have some of the highest levels ever measured. Flame retardants are found in furniture, electronics, and even in baby products and have been linked to cancer, birth defects, and other serious health issues. OMG, what's a green diva or dude to do? Furniture that does not contain polyurethane foam usually does not contain flame-retardant chemicals. There are nonprofit organizations that have done the homework for us and have lists of flame-retardant-free furniture manufacturers. I'm Green Diva Meg, and you can find more low-stress green living tips at thegreendivas.com.
2: Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus, but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite. Just float an organic Mosquito Dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. Don't worry, Mosquito Dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito Dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit SummitResponsibleSolutions.com.
4: Alright, we've got some background music for you here, Peggy. So Does that you mean can, I have to read quickly? Yes, better get it done before the end of the music. <laughs> here we go. Ready, set go?
3: Go. Even gardeners sometimes need a second chance. City Grain, Chicago's newest and most unique garden center, now has fall veggies ready to pop into your kitchen garden for another round of fresh, tasty greens. Asian greens, peas, spinach. If you miss the spring, you get a second chance as the cooler fall temperatures arrive. Grow them in a container for the la- for the last fresh picked salads of the year. So head over to 5500 Northwestern Avenue, Catalpa, right now. That's today. As always, there's valet parking on the weekends. Again, today. R R Citygrange.com. Learn, shop, blossom.
4: R You got see. We got plenty of time here. <laughs> Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Maleki. We've got our. This is the I forget what the name of this group is, but the. Flying Fingers something. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, the Lost Fingers, that's what they call it. Yes. They're right. here somewhere. Here we go. And, of course, the bees in the background. And the crickets in the background. Uh, they're crickets as well. Well, only only when we speak, Peggy. Uh, welcome back. We're talking to, to Amy Cox, uh, who is with... Uh, um, pro-time lawn seed, and we're talking about the different kind of interesting mixes. These are not your father's lawn seed mixes. I'm, I'm just uh, making you aware of that. Um, and we're going through some of them. We'll give her a problem in a second. But one thing I wanted to point out, Amy, is something that uh, uh, you talk about on your site, uh, the difference between cool season grasses and warm season grasses, and then there's a transition zone. Uh, and since uh, this show goes out in stations all over the country, um, and some of them are in the transition zone, uh, that's a slightly different situation, right now, isn't it?
0: It is. Although in the transition zone, you you should presumably be able to grow both cool season grasses and warm season grasses. So um, it's kind of the the middle ground.
4: Do you uh, sell any of the uh, warm season grasses? We do not. Okay, so. Keep that in mind. And the cool season grasses, as advertised, do well in cool weather. So they love the fall. They love the spring. Um, Well,
0: and they also I sometimes need to uh, tell people because they say, well, it gets really hot here up in North Dakota in the summer. Does that work here? Well, it does. It's just the important thing is that we do have a colder or cold winter. That's what the grasses need. They do fine in the heat uh, during the summer. They just need a cold winter as well.
4: And sometimes they'll go dormant on you in the summer. And generally, I tell people, let it go dormant. Uh, You don't have to sprinkle it Mm -hmm. 15 minutes every day uh, in uh, the heat of the sun. And you're rolling your eyes there, Amy, because you see that happen all the time, don't you?
0: I do. And, you know, a lot of times, too, people in the middle of summer, they'll say, well, I water every day and it's still brown. Well, once uh, grasses, cool season grasses start to go dormant or are dormant, it's very hard to bring them out of dormancy during the summer. So it's kind of a decision that you need to make if you don't want your grasses to go dormant and you do want to water to keep it green, you know, make that decision Mm -hmm. in the late spring and then uh, start a good uh, watering regimen. And that doesn't mean watering every day at all. We really Mm -hmm. need to water much less frequently, but more deeply when we do water.
3: And some of your eco mixes were also mentioning yarrow and some of the other plants that stay green, even when the grasses might be going dormant.
0: That's right. One of the things we love about the eco lawn is that, you know, just allow the grasses to go dormant during the summer, but all the other components, you know, are they going to stay green and give an overall green semblance to your green space, uh, calling it a green space? Uh, but then they come right back with, with fall rains. Mm-hmm. We certainly have very dry periods here on the West Coast. In the Midwest, that might be a little less important. I know you get those thunderstorms during the summer from time to time. Um, but, yeah, just let the grasses go dormant and they'll come back.
4: Yeah. of uh, 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 Several years ago, I had a, a sponsor, um, Eco Lawn, and they're actually out of uh, Toronto. You're probably familiar with them. And um, the owner told me a very interesting thing about alternative Lawn care and alternative grasses. And she said, our products do great on the East Coast. Our products do great on the West Coast. It's a battle in the Midwest to get people to switch to an alternative lawn. I uh, Do you find that at all, Amy?
0: You know, I think, you know, our company started obviously here in Portland, and so we have a lot of early adapters here that tested these products and uh, had such great response. But I think the word is really, really spreading. The East Coast as well has been very supportive Mm -hmm. of this, you know, diversity in, in lawn species. Um, but we're really starting to see it now in the Chicago area, Minneapolis, St. Paul, uh, St. Louis, uh, actually a huge park in um, St. Charles County put in our dog park mix uh, for our municipal project. Uh, So, you know, people are finding us. uh, We really try to reach out to landscape architects and architects Mm -hmm. too, to let them know that they could specify these mixes for large institutional uh, projects. And I think they're leading the way because they want to do something different, uh, reduce yeah. their, you know, environmental footprint. That's and, a really uh,
4: smart way to go to, to reach yeah. out to landscape architects. And, and if you've got the, the architect on board, you've gone a long way towards being able to install this, I would think.
3: And, and getting That's in, right. Yeah. I was going to say and getting in with municipalities, too, if you're getting the landscape architects right. involved and, in bigger things.
4: And speaking of that.
3: So, um, when Ryan Anderson was on from Midwest Grows Green, he was talking about some of the eco installation weekends uh, that you guys are involved with, with, including yesterday there was an Austin eco lawn install here in Chicago.
0: Actually, I think that one might be today. Do I have that Actually, right? Actually, no, that it's is today. Sunday, no, I'm sorry, that is four? this
3: afternoon. I don't know what day it is. Oh, yes, my it's goodness. today from 2 to 4. Um, installing a perennial wildflower mix and fleur de lawn mix. With pro-time lawn seeds uh, for urban pollinators that Midwest Grows Green is doing in uh, 5849 Rice Street in Chicago.
4: Right. So maybe you want to come by and see what kind of mix they have. Of course, you're not going to get to see it. Uh, Bloom, <laughs> yeah. See the bags, no, but uh,
0: I know they would love to have volunteers out there today, um, and it is a project supported by Patagonia, so yes. it's it's exciting to see that. Let's go give in.
4: Patagonia a ding too, uh, and glad they're on board with that. All right, I told you that we'd have a a, a case study for you, and that's Peggy's Parkway uh, that she's try She wants to put something on there. You just had a core aerated, right? Yes. So that's really a great first step, isn't it, Amy?
0: It is. Uh, I always recommend that from the beginning. That's one of the ways that you can make your lawn much more drought tolerant going forward. Um, When you core aerate, you're pulling plugs from the lawn, it really just opens it up so that it can accept water when it rains uh, or when you irrigate.
3: Now, quick question on those, because I've seen written both ways. Should I leave the plugs on the lawn before putting the seed in or take them off, rake them off?
0: You know, I, I think it depends. In this case, because you're not trying to backfill the holes with anything. Um, sometimes there's a soil modifier people might use, or you might be bringing in some new soil. Um, but if you're not doing that, I just leave it on, unless you have a lot of weeds. Mm-hmm. If you've got weeds, maybe, maybe you take I those off. I have a
3: lot of weeds and a lot of clay.
0: Hey, you know, then maybe you could rake it off. You've, then you've got fewer, fewer weed seeds up there on okay. the surface.
4: Well, here's what I would recommend, uh, is uh, bring in a, a layer of sifted compost and and throw that down like a quarter to half an inch and some of that will fall into the holes mm-hmm. and it'll give you that that the air and then if uh you want to get rid of some of that clay yeah you could rake it off because you've replaced that uh
0: with the compost
4: with the compost oh, do, what do you think amy
0: i think that's a great idea we know that just adding just a skimming of a compost um can really help with any new lawn installation
4: all right so she's got describe your parkway there peggy so it's
0: your
3: typical parkway but it's um on the it's actually on the south side of the street but you know faces north obviously there are two older oaks on it there's uh, also shade coming from other trees across the street and next door so it typically will get afternoon sun um a few parts of it will never get any sun it's next to a street it's next to a sidewalk it's next to a driveway um lots and lots of dogs walking by and uh, right now it's got a large variety of weeds, <laughs> you know, plantains,
0: so, you know, that sort of stuff.
4: So what, what? How? where does she start?
0: Well, the core aeration was a great, great start. Uh, maybe also mow very short, which you already have, if you have something there to mow. Mm-hmm. I do tell people, you know, you might go through and take out the weeds that you find are most offensive to you. Some people don't mind, you know, the occasional, um, you know, uh, plantain or or yeah. something there because uh, it is green. Yeah, there are uh, no but go dandelions. And take out the worst ones. Yeah, all
3: the dandelions I've I've taken out all summer, so they're gone. See,
0: there you go. Uh, and, so you do that. All right. Um, and then give it a good rake with a hard rake, just to fluff up that surface. Or maybe you've brought in your your sifted compost, um, and that's a, a good medium to plant into. Um, and then maybe. Uh, pick a eco lawn that has some diversity in it so that when you see those weeds pop up occasionally, they look a little more intentional and maybe part of the mix instead Mm of, uh, you know, when you put down a monoculture, uh, those, those weeds look pretty obvious.
4: So which what which mix is going to handle sun and shade?
0: And dogs. Yeah. And dogs. So, um, you know, all seed likes the sun. So whenever you're shopping for lawn seed, just know if you've got a sunny area, Uh, really all seed is going to be okay there. Uh, But then if you've got some areas of shade, I like to go ahead and get a shade performing mix because that way you're going to do great in the sun and in the shade. Um, So for Peggy's situation, I think we need to pick a shade performer. And I'd love to get some clovers in there because that's going to fix some nitrogen in there. Um, And a lot of the shade performing mixes, they typically are going to have that fine fescue in there. And it's the fine fescues that are going to handle the shade. The trade-off with fine fescues is maybe they don't take as much wear as say a perennial rye or a bluegrass mm-hmm. or a tall fescue. Um, but we need them in there for that shade performance and they're very uh, uh, low feeders. Um, so if you've got the clovers in there fixing nitrogen, it's gonna feed the fine fescues and maybe some perennial rye or maybe some tall fescue. So which but mi- the mix, yeah, yeah. Which so the mix? mix I think for Peggy would be the verdant lawn. Uh, ah, that's going to have perennial rye, fine fescue, and microclover.
4: I'm looking for that on your website. Where's the verdant lawn? Is that under uh, seven
0: six four verdant
4: lawn?
0: <laughs> well, we've got it's, sixty it's, seconds here. Yeah, so it's the one with the hamster. Oh, it is. Or whatever that is. Whatever
4: oh, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Wow. You got it's a hamster. happy critter. And you mentioned uh, <laughs> uh, fescues. Fescues have been sort of the backbone of the new wave of low mow and low grow. Uh, uh, lawns that you don't, you're not going to play soccer on them, but they look great if you just kind of leave them alone.
0: Yes, the no mixes typically, yeah, they are uh, blends of fine fescue um, and when you just let them grow, they get this really cool kind of wind-tossed effect and they're very low maintenance. They are not heavy feeders, so yeah.
4: There we go, and once established, not as much water either.
0: That's right. Very right. very drought tolerant.
4: Fabulous. Thank you so much, Amy Cox. Go to ptlawnseed.com. We're getting a mix for Peggy. We're going to put it in. We'll see what happens. We'll talk to you later.
0: Sounds great. Thanks.
3: Hi, this is Peggy. McHenry County's largest annual green living event is also one of our area's best green events. The 2019 Green Living Expo, November 2nd at McHenry County College in Crystal Lake attracts hundreds of attendees. We know, we've been there and it's impressed us for years. So get your business in front of this crowd as a vendor or sponsor. And yes, green holiday gift ideas are welcome too. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at
1: McHenry.edu. If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contract. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities, so make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at restorethenorthshore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better.
3: If you love to landscape with trees and you haven't been to Rich's Fox Willow Pines and Woodstock, you've missed out on their collection of unique conifers and rare deciduous trees. Unfortunately, after 31 years in business, they're closing their doors at the end of 2019. So now is the time to take advantage of 40% off for container trees and 30% off in-ground trees. There's a good supply of pines, spruces, firs, hemlocks, junipers, yews, and the deciduous larches, bald cypresses, and dawn redwoods. Many of the cultivars are dwarf in form or have unusual shapes such as weeping, mounding, or angular. These are not your grandfather's conifers. Stop by, select, and tag your trees now for fall digging. By the way, the sale of all their garden art goes to Mono Omano International Partners to build schools and clinics in Bolivia. Go to richesfoxwillowpines.com for more information. Follow them on Facebook and sign up for the e newsletter. That's richesfoxwillowpines.com.
6: guys falling down and the creek is coming up that old rickety bridge lord is running out of luck nothing left to do but let the river overflow it'll be better it'll be better it'll be better when it's better i suppose it'll be better it'll be better it'll be better when it's better i suppose
4: that's our buddy mark dvorak uh from his mm-hmm. cd timing got nothing on me and according to Rick
3: DeMaio, it will be better after Tuesday night on the river.
4: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just the, texted us. So the, the creek is rising. In fact, let's let's talk to meteorologist Rick DeMaio in person. Rick, good morning.
8: Yeah, good morning, Peg. You got that right, and that's not good news for students, faculty, teachers, anybody who's trying to do something at Oakland Community College. The Des campus has been closed since yesterday. Wow. Closed again today. Yeah, and again. I don't know how many times we've told them, you got to do something about the infrastructure around Central Road on the north side of that campus. It floods all the time. You can't do anything about Golf Road. You can't do anything about Golf Road. Golf Road, uh, it's right up against the river there, and it actually has to go underneath. Uh, the freight line, but you can do something the central. And I've actually had a few environmental teachers mm-hmm. come up to me and say, hey, when are you going to start to tell these people they need to do something about it? I'm like, I have for the last two or three years, and it's crickets. Every year it's crickets. <laughs> well, we got through the springtime. Well, we got through the summertime. You and then it happens know, again. What has been some of our worst flooding now? In the fall, right? right? Well, this, it, this this week,
3: been, it, yeah, Lake County had more than eight inches of rain this week. I had another half inch overnight. On top of eight inches. Yeah,
8: yeah, and and on top of that, Peg, I think it's largely due to the fact that we've seen our Septembers and how early Octobers become warmer and more humid, and it's directly related to how much activity occurs in the tropics. We saw it even back in 2008 when we had Hurricane Ike and Hurricane Gustav uh, move across the northern suburbs, flooded out parts of O'Hare Field. When was that? That was September 8th and September 15th. Mm. And, and every year it's like, well, we got through the spring. Well, we got through the summer. We don't have to do anything about it. And it's just basically like closing your eyes and having your fingers crossed. So there are some very, very nervous people running the Oakland Community College campus hoping that they can open up by Monday morning. But after looking at those recent river rises... Uh, peg and mike and the amount of rain that came down overnight yeah i don't think it's going to open up i think it's not looking good for them tomorrow
4: <laughs> i'm i was just playing your response there uh, from oakton uh little crickets here uh,
8: but,
4: <laughs> but uh you know it's interesting rick uh the other day uh peggy and i uh were comparing notes and she was you had the rain gauge two days yeah. in a row that had more than three inches of rain right in it.
3: three and a half Overnight, Wednesday, after the uh, really nasty weather that came through with the tornado warnings, and then Thursday night was four and a half inches, and last night was one inch.
4: And it was interesting that that night that uh, Peggy, uh, the first night with the tornado warnings, I'm sitting at home, I'm watching TV, and then tornado warning comes on my television. And they're saying uh, there's a tornado warning for parts of Cook County and Lake County and uh, McHenry.
8: I'm texting you that Uh, warning sirens are going off. what? Yeah, they never said Cook County. They never said Cook County.
4: I it did because that that's what caught my attention. Uh, I wish I had a screenshot of it.
8: Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah but it said Cook for Cook County. That's kind of odd, but whatever.
4: Yeah, um, I know because then immediately I went to the radar and I saw this little blob going across, and I really? thought, well, that's not very spectacular. Uh, and, no, then...
8: and and it wasn't, and it, and it never. I mean, a tornado never formed, but uh, it got pretty close to it. Um, there was some good. You know, shear on one side and shear on the other side. And probably on a scale of 1 to 10, it was probably a 1. And I think what probably prompted that warning was a couple of storm chasers caught uh, what appeared to be uh, a funnel cloud and a really nice rotating wall cloud. And they sent that to the weather service. And that along with the confirmation from the radar and the fact that they totally missed the one the week before, I think they said Let's put this out and hope for the best at this point. And, I, and you know what? Those are the hardest ones to warn for. Every yeah. meteorologist will tell you it's best to have a lot of good confirmation. Then you feel good about the warning. But the ones that, like, don't develop and don't develop and don't develop, and you have to keep the warning up, those are the ones you get nailed on. It's like, well, what were you thinking? Why'd you have it out so long? Well, as soon as it touches down, you go, I'm glad I had it out. Yeah. So, yeah. the well, the really, really the, tough call on their part.
3: The issue, Rick, though, was it set off the tornado sirens in all of the municipalities, and some of them waited. Some of yeah. them went for long amounts of time, and some of them were very short.
8: And, and it still shows you, Peg and Mike, that we have a really, really big problem with setting off sirens. The National Weather Service does not set off sirens. That's the local emergency managers, that's the local townspeople, that's the mayor, there's people who get finger-happy um, I, I don't know why those sirens went off as long as they did. And quite frankly, they should have never went off because there's never a confirmation of a tornado. So the only time a tornado warning siren is supposed to go off is if there's actually a sighting of a tornado. Right. Otherwise, you would have sirens going off all the time just because yeah. there's a warning. There's a reason why you have the warning, which then alerts, alerts the emergency managers for the possibility of a siren. Two different things,
4: and, and and Peggy pointed out to me that she had lightning sirens going off. And we have
3: lightning I, sirens and all I the have time.
4: I Never even heard a lightning siren in the city of Chicago. I'm not even sure that they exist here, uh, but it sounds like they're kind of siren happy up there uh, in your neck of the woods. I don't know. And yeah, you know, yeah. What,
8: and and I and you know, I, I was up at the College of Lake County on Friday, and there were some students that said yeah i was trying to do my job i was working at a restaurant and they just kept us downstairs for a half hour i'm like a half hour for that so Mm -hmm. i don't know i was i was kind of shocked by that but again getting back to the to the business at hand here um this is something that myself and a couple other environmental science teachers came to the university or the college rather and said you guys have got to do something about it and every year there's this like, well, we're not sure because I think part this of it has to do with at the state of Illinois, and then the Department of Natural Resources. Yeah, we're talking about Oakland Community College, then. So, um, and it's all for the better of the students and the faculty, is to get the news out and also have some sort of a plan to stop the waters rising. And I don't think they've done that yet. <laughs> uh,
4: and the other thing that happened that was really odd was that Peggy shows me the three inches one night, and then the second night I had like an inch and a quarter in the city. Right. It, it was quite right. localized. And, and,
8: Right. Well, it's not so much localized, but where is the rain falling? Because yeah. Monday night, there was almost three inches of rain across northern Lake County up into southern areas of Wisconsin. So if you look at the map and the maps I sent you, mm-hmm. nearly 10 inches of rain fell in highly localized areas in Walworth and Racine County, or in Kenosha County, rather, and extreme northern Lake and McHenry. And where does the rivers flow from north to south? So oftentimes, you're sitting here in Cook County with an inch of rain, you go, I think we're fine. But the water flows south Mm -hmm. and you'll only be you'll only think that there's actually a big fire going on if there's smoke coming out from underneath your oven at that point. You know, (laughs) you've got to be able to think you got to be able to think that the stuff is happening elsewhere. And I just I still don't think their their mindset is in that is in that particular realm of thinking.
4: Uh, Maybe not. All right. So what is it looking like uh, moving forward here now that we've had all these crazy rains?
8: Uh, well, it does look like the the, uh, the rain gauges will probably hold steady out for at least another 36 to 48 hours. Not good news for people trying to get across the river, across Central and Gulf Road. Other roads should be fine. This is not major flooding, but it is flooding. Uh, tropical storm in Bird will expect to become a hurricane, but being north of the Bahamas, no problem there. Warm and humid. Uh, maybe another rain shower or two coming through late this afternoon, but mm-hmm. warm and humid weather all the way through Saturday and then much, much colder next Sunday as we finally head into meteorological fall. Notice I didn't say climatological.
4: Meteorological <laughs> fall, not climatological. And uh, yeah, right. uh, are we going to see any more hurricane development?
8: You know what? There's quite a bit of activity over the next two weeks, but it looks like at this point it stays south of the southeast part of the United States. So good news there, Mike and oh, Peg. All
4: right. Thank you so much, Rick. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Oh, I guess he's gone. So uh, He's gone. That's that's what happened. Hey, Rick? 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 Okay. Uh, thanks for everybody who was on the show today. Jerry Brown and Tom Shepard. Uh, Amy Cox. Rick DeMaio. Thanks, Ellie. Thanks, Andrew. Until next time, go green or Go home.
7: Uh, Stadler? Yeah, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.